Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. Good afternoon, Tuscaloosa. Internet world, West Alabama, downtown Northport. How are we doing today? Welcome in to a Wednesday edition of the Joe Gaither Show right here on Bama Central. You're watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. You're listening to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on Amazon. And, of course, you're reading about it every day right there on BamaCentral.com. We appreciate everybody who's jumped in and joined us today. You can always follow us at Joe Gaither 6 for any of your uh, send us any of your comments, your questions, queries, and complaints or critiques right there on all the social media machines at Joe Gaither 6, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to find us. I am at Joe Gaither 6. We're going to have hopefully a fun show today and we're going to have a lot of fun with one of my friends. We're going to be joined by Michael Bronner of WNSP right down there 105.5 in Mobile. Michael Brunner covering all things SEC, Alabama, Auburn, everything related to all kinds of football down there in Mobile. We're going to have a lot of fun with Michael. Before we bring Michael in, we're going to encourage you guys, of course, to to, to download and subscribe to other Bama Central Broadcasting Network podcasts. We've got our friends All Things Bama with uh, Katie Wyndham and Austin Hannon, and we've got Blue Collar Unplugged. With Blake Byler, Matthew Gibson, and Jacob Pickle, the president of Crimson Chaos, Mr. Jacob Pickle, joining them on Blue Collar Unplugged, talking about all things Alabama basketball related. All right, yesterday on the show, we had a lot of fun talking about uh, a little bit of Tua Tungabailoa. We talked some recruiting. We talked, oh, had a serious topic on Darius Miles. If you missed any of that, you can hit it on all of the platforms we just mentioned. Uh, and we're going to kind of continue some of those conversations. We had 10 days away from Alabama kicking off in Bryant-Denny Stadium. We are, what, four days away, three, day, boom, three days away from Notre Dame and week number zero, week number one, getting all underway. So let's bring in my friend Michael Bronner. Michael, what's going on? You can re- listen to him and read him at WNSP down there in Mobile, 105.5. How's your morning going, Michael? How's the switch to the morning shift for you? Yeah, so I did just switch from afternoons to mornings. So been on that for about a week and a half now. It's been quite the schedule adjustment for me, kind of change around my whole life, getting up at 5 a.m. right around these days. So it's definitely different. But, you know, now I can hop on at 1 o'clock with, you know, Joe Gaither whenever I want. So that that's, uh, that's a plus. There we go. Well, uh, we're, we're 10 days away from the season. Three or four days away from week number one. What's been the flavor in Mobile? You will, well, first off, tell everybody you're writing more now for WNSP as well. Obviously, you can hear them in the mornings uh, on WNSP, and you used to hear them on the final drive in the afternoons. So you switched to the morning shift, and you've taken on a little bit of a writing role. Tell everybody before, as we get into it uh, what you're doing on the WNSP website, where they can read you, and kind of what's the flavor down there in Mobile lately. Correct. So I am producing the morning show now with Mark Heim and Lee Shervanian. So that's a show that's been going whew, for a lot longer than I've been here. So, uh, you know, so that's kind of an established brand down here. And as for the website, we're doing a lot of exciting things, kind of trying to put out a daily column that's different every day. You know, Monday, we're, I'm doing something called Tide Takes is what we've been calling it. Tuesday, the Auburn Corner. Wednesday, across the South, you know, more of a general SEC thing. Thursdays, Inside the Dome. Uh, you know, kind of a Saints NFL type article. And then Fridays, a little bit undecided on exactly what we're going to be doing on Fridays. I think we're going to be having staff picks from, you know, Mark Lee, Corey, Nick, all of all your favorite WNSP personalities. So it's exciting stuff there. You know, definitely been able to get online content out earlier. Definitely been able to put out some more long form stuff, some more opinionated pieces, stuff like that. So it's been good. I, I've been enjoying what we've been able to put out on the web. Uh, it's been cool stuff. You know, I'm kind of able to manage the website a little bit better, get content out earlier, and, uh, you know, tr- truly some better content on the website. So check it out on WNSP.com if you do get a chance. I think there's some good stuff up there. There you go, WNSP.com. Go there after you visit us at BamaCentral.com with Sports Illustrated home for Alabama Crimson Tide. We're going to have a busy day today on BamaCentral.com, not until later in the afternoon. Uh, one thing I want to follow up from last, from yesterday, we talked recruiting real quick. We talked recruiting. We highlighted the uh, Edric Hill commitment. Uh, unfortunately, he did choose Ohio State. That was kind of our uh, feeling yesterday. And yesterday we talked about recruiting and said Daniel Hill, the 
running back from Meridian, Mississippi, would be committing today. That has been postponed. So anybody who's wanting to hear about Daniel Hill, he has postponed his commitment to an undisclosed date, choosing between South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Alabama. So we'll keep an eye on Daniel Hill right there on BamaCentral.com. What's happening today at 6 p.m.? Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Saban, will be in front of the podium. So you'll be able to follow Katie Windham, Austin Hannon, and myself. We'll be uh, paying attention to all things Nick Saban. And I'm sure he's going to say a whole bunch of nothing after uh, the second scrimmage. Everybody's progressing well. The message from Coach Nick Saban all through camp has been mental focus, sustaining mental focus throughout practice and eliminating mental mistakes. Michael Bronner. All signs point to Jalen Milrow winning the uh, winning the, the starting quarterback job, at least in the moment, at least on the outset. Uh, he, he, he led the ones in both the scrimmages, uh, and so we're playing MTSU next week in 10 days. What's your feel with Michael with Jalen Milrow being the guy, at least, uh, at least for the moment? Well, it's funny you say all signs point to because – it's really more so the lack of signs at all point to the fact that Jalen Milrow is going to be the starting quarterback for this team. We knew if it wasn't going to be Milrow, one of Simpson or Buckner was going to have to separate, or Lonergan, depending on you know the day, because his name has kind of been thrown around in the last week. Not that anyone really thought he was going to be the starter, but maybe the backup, who knows. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's really kind of been a summer of unanswered questions, and that has continued up until 10 days until the season. So that doesn't exactly spark a ton of confidence about the quarterback position. I think it's way more so than, you know, Miller. I should hope Milrow has gotten a little bit better as a passer. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to fend off Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner. That being said, I think it's probably more so, you know, I, I don't want to say it was Ty Simpson's job to lose, but, and not that the game is played on paper, but on paper, Ty Simpson should be the best quarterback on this team. He should have been able to take this job and separate over the summer and, Clearly, 10 days out from the season, he wasn't. So, you know, what does that tell you? He wasn't good enough, and Milrow's the guy with experience. So, at least for the time being, he's probably going to be the quarterback, barring some seismic change in the next week and a, week and a half, which you know, is not impossible. Uh, I, 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 but I think those who are hoping to see Ty Simpson trot out and take the first snaps against Middle Tennessee, which I, I'd include myself in that group, probably are going to be disappointed. I think, it, I mean, all three guys are going to play against MTSU. That's just the reality of, of that game. Uh, whereas, you know, your counterparts in Auburn actually named a starting quarterback three days ago in Peyton Thorne, which we knew was going to happen after uh, after he transfers from Michigan State in May. It's different. Like, you bring in Peyton Thorne at Auburn to be the starter, whereas you bring in Tyler Buckner because, well, maybe more of an insurance policy type of situation because the guys in the room aren't getting it done. Uh, so two wildly different situations there. But, yeah, I, I mean, in, in my mind, Ty Simpson could have been the guy, should have been the guy, had had every chance over the summer to be the guy. And uh, didn't do enough to get it done. So, I mean, we've heard good things about him. We had David Morris from QB Country on the show uh, about last week and, you know, asked him about Ty Simpson this summer. You know, he said Ty Simpson was phenomenal this summer. He looks great. He said he's still of the belief that whether he starts the season or not, he still thinks Ty Simpson is going to start a lot of games for Alabama this year. And I kind of believe that, too. I, I don't think, again, like I said, I don't think Milrow is starting for this team because he's the best quarterback on the roster. I think he's starting – at least to start the season, because he's the most experienced quarterback on the roster. Now, does that come back and bite you week two against Texas? It might. It might. I mean, it's uh, defense is certainly going to have to show up and, I don't know, hold Texas below 30, certainly. Uh, you know, Texas was able to get after Alabama in last year's matchup, get after the quarterback, I think, a lot more, more so than we thought they were. And, uh, you know, Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt. You know, you hate the – but as Bama fans, we can pull the ifs out, you know, after Jamison Williams against Georgia. But, you know, the reality is that works both ways. If Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt, Alabama would have lost that game against Texas. It's it's undeniable. So we'll see what happens. I hope they're able to figure it out, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm thinking Milrow is going to start against MTSU. He's going to be good because it's against MTSU. Uh, he'll be fine. Guys are going to be open. He's going to do what he's supposed to do. Simpson will come in. He'll look good. Uh, Buckner will come in and clean up duty and he'll look good too. Bama will win by 45 because, you know, they're not, we've had this right before about, you know, playing a uh, cupcake game week one. I don't know how much that does. We saw how much it helped playing Utah state to open up to get, Oh, they were really prepared to play Texas clearly last season. And, uh, so we'll see, man. Uh, I do ultimately think that Ty Simpson will take over this job, but 
that doesn't necessarily that's not necessarily a good thing. It, it means that Milro is not getting it done, and probably you've lost the game or come close to losing a game because of it. So we'll see. Well, let me throw a theory at you, the crimson-colored glasses theory that I've been hearing over the last handful of days. Nick Saban and Kevin Steele are throwing the kitchen sink at these quarterbacks in practice, blah, 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 blah. And that's why you're not getting separation because the defense looks so good and Nick Saban's throwing a bunch of uh, blitz packages at them and, you know, you're, you're shuffling around the offensive line so you're not getting any continuity up front. Everybody's under pressure and that's why the quarterbacks look mad. Huh? Yeah, that certainly is a crimson colored glasses theory. I mean, it's funny because last year, I mean, we were talking about, at least I was, could this be Nick Saban's best ever defense? At least on paper. Again, sure. we use that term a lot, on paper, going into the season. I mean, talent-wise, it was certainly right up there with the best of them. And, you know, how did Alabama lose the games they lost this season? Well, the defense flopped in the biggest moments. It was Tennessee, the Tennessee game was what the Tennessee game was. It was a complete mess on defense. Uh, Jalen Hyde is still running free. And then in the fourth, it wasn't as bad against LSU, but ultimately in the fourth quarter, you had a lead and you couldn't get a stop. So, right. uh, you know, I, I think the defense is going to be better. Uh, I think there's a lot of depth at interior linebacker. I think Terry and Arnold t- finally takes a step up this year op- opposite of Kool-Aid McKinstry. I think it'll help Terry and Arnold not having Eli Ricks kind of breathing down his neck. That was an interesting <laughs> little storyline. And so I think that'll allow him to, you know, at least play a little bit more freely knowing that he's entrenched as a starter. But, and, and you know, we'll see what happens with Caleb Downs too. But I, I don't think that the quarterbacks haven't separated themselves because, you know, Kevin Steele and the defense have been so great in practice. I think that's a, a bit of a fool's gold theory there. Uh, you know, and the offensive line, we should hope it's going to be better. Uh, you don't have Bryce Young there to bail you out. So, Well, what I've heard really is that Ty Simpson still has the best arm talent, and but, but, but he struggled playing the ones. And really, he's faced the ones the entire camp. And you've heard Jalen Milrow, you know, you've got he's, – he's got the ones and he's facing the twos, and he's doing just fine. He's not doing amazing. He's doing just fine. And then you hear, oh, Buckner – over the last week and change has started to pick up the offense a little bit more. Obviously, he had nice numbers in the scrimmage this past Saturday. And then you get this kid, Dylan Monaghan, who every time you throw him out there, it seems like every time you give him a little piece of the pizza, a little piece of the pie, he's gobbling it up and asking for more. But it really coaches kind of like we don't want to overload him with the whole playbook and overload him with all the concepts quite yet. So it's just uh, – it's it's still interesting uh, under center. It's still interesting under center. And you talk about the MTSU game. I, I wonder if we're going to see all four quarterbacks, uh, at least a little bit. Obviously, you can still redshirt Lonergan after you play him uh, in four games. He has a four, four-game allotment. So you can throw him out there against MTSU in that first week in the last in the last couple series if you wanted to. Ah. Just how important is finding out the quarter, finding who the quarterback is? Like once you put you're playing Texas that second week, are we still rotating guys in and out? Like, oh, Milro, first crack. Here's your two series. Go see how you do. Oh, here's your two series, Ty Simpson. Here's your one series, Buckner. What's gonna be because I've been contending over the last couple of weeks that really it doesn't matter who the quarterback is through the first three weeks. You're playing MTSU. That's going to be an automatic win. You just hit all hit on all of the, all the points. You're playing Texas. Obviously, high-profile matchup. Massive high-profile matchup. And you want to win. You don't want to punt in on any game. But on the scheme of what Alabama's trying to do, win the SEC, get to the college football playoff, win another national title, losing to Texas doesn't really matter. Then you play at USF. USF, not that, you know, not going to present that much of a challenge on paper. We've talked on paper a ton. The big question is September 23rd when Ole Miss is coming to town. You've got to start uh, – you've got to have everybody on the same page. Ole Miss comes to town. Then you go out to A&M and the SEC season starts. So how urgent do you think Coach Saban really feels on, oh, I've got to have my guy by the Texas game. I've got to have – because the Texas game is more of a fan – is more of a fan, you know, pride and, you know, of course, Texas is coming into the conference here soon, uh, next year even. But, like, it's more of, oh, gosh, we want to say we beat Texas. Like, if you win or lose that game, in the grand scheme of things, everything's still out in front of you. 
I get your point. I, I think you're underrating the importance of it a little bit. I mean, it's still, uh, what is Texas 11? So I was about to say top 10 matchup, but I guess not quite a top 10 matchup, right? They will be. They'll, they'll, they'll bounce we'll people around. ESPN is going to make it happen that it's a top 10 matchup. So we'll call yes. it a top 10 matchup. But no, I mean, I think you're underrating the importance a little bit. Look at LSU last season. I mean, that loss against Florida State week one for a team that was trying to make the playoff at the end of the year. Obviously, you lose the embarrassing game at Texas A&M. Uh, which ultimately ends your hope. I mean, they might have still, they, honestly, they maybe still make it if they are able to defeat Georgia in the SEC championship. Uh, but that being said, it's like, you know, you don't want to rack up a loss early in the season. Yes, it doesn't it doesn't affect you in the SEC West. Now, I'm of the opinion that it should, uh, but that's an entirely different discussion. Uh, but no, I mean, for a team that is going to maybe be on the playoff bubble, uh, I don't think anyone thinks this team is a, a sure thing to make the playoff, like a 12-0 Georgia that's going to, steamroll their way into the SEC championship playing Ball State and UT Martin in those first two weeks. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to take that loss week to it, it, but you are right. It doesn't bury you. Uh, it's not, it's not like losing an SEC game. It, it's not going to kill you, but you still, still don't want to take a loss week two. Uh, I think, it, I think it's more than, you know, just a fan rivalry. I think it one is a quality win. If you lose a game down the road, that's uh, that speaks to your resume as well. Unless Texas just goes off the rails later in the season, which, you know, wouldn't be the most shocking thing it's happened before. Uh, but yeah, no, I think it, I, I would go so far as to say that getting this quarterback situation, I wrote this last week, getting this decision correct for Nick Saban is the most important decision he's faced at his, in his time in Alabama. If you get it wrong, this team's not going to be very good. Uh, if you get it right, this team, I again, it's not the best Alabama team ever, but they can win a national championship if, the, if they get steady and efficient quarterback play. The running game is good enough. The receiver room is going to be good enough. The defense is going to be good enough. But if you have a quarterback who's turning it over and can't move the ball, this team's going to lose four games. I mean, that's just – and it's going to be embarrassing. And, and the noise around, you know, the dynasty, dynasty being over, I might be right at that point. Uh, so you can't get this quarterback decision horribly wrong. Uh, I guess if it's horribly wrong, you're going to change guys. But you know, how long do you, you want to take half your season to get this thing right uh, before you know before some of these hard games before you host LSU before I mean even even Ole Miss week four is not going to be an That's easy game coming to town. I, I just like you got to get this thing right, and it is going to be Milrow. So I hope he's ready to go because ideally you don't want to have to switch quarterbacks, but. Yeah, Lonergan, I'd like I'd like to see him get some time in that MTSU game. It's funny because he was kind of the afterthought, if you remember, in recruiting, because obviously yeah. bringing Eli Holstein before Lonergan. Loner and Holstein was a more highly touted recruit. I guess Holstein just hasn't shown as much as Lonergan has shown this this offseason. Yeah, the, min, the the mental game seems to be uh not as not saying he's dumb, not by any means, but I just hear that Dylan Lonigan has, has got that gamer mentality. He's got that it factor where he's got a good feel in the pocket and knows how to get rid of the ball pretty quickly. And that's going to be the thing is getting rid of the ball quickly, making good decisions quickly, because you look at the wide receivers. Okay. You've heard drops X, Y, you know, you've heard the drops are still an issue, but you look at the skill set, the talent about the running backs in the, in the tight end room at the letters. All you got to do is get the ball in these guys' hands, two yards down the field and let them go ahead and get them another two, three, four, 80 yards, you know, whatever the case may be, give them chances to make plays down the field. You can't, I I don't want to see, Patting the football, patting the football, patting the football, like to make quick decisions, have, be confident. And it seems like that's been the main issue with, uh, you know, Coach Saban. I want to see who, who's going to say, make me play you. Don't look over your shoulder asking about, you know, am I making the right reads? Grab the bull by the horns. I think it's, I think the ability is there with Joe and Milrow and Simpson and the ability probably there with Buckner just kind of way mentally behind. Uh, I, I think the ability is there. It's just a lack of confidence with those guys. And so how do you, I mean, will a cupcake game against MTSU give you enough confidence to say, oh my gosh, Texas is coming. And, uh, you know, we're going to be under the lights a second. I mean, obviously it helps you'll be in Brian Diddy Stadium. Uh, your first road game is not till you're going to USF and that should be, that should be fine. But I'm looking at that Ole Miss game, Quinshawn Judkins, J- Jackson Dart coming at you and, and Lane, Lane Kiffin going all aboard every fourth down, get your popcorn ready. I think you need to be ready to to put up to to, to really hang with them. Uh, and and Texas, it's also a team, frankly, that you know we can say this about a lot of games last year, and it was on the road versus at home. But without 
uh, Bryce Young lose to Ole Miss last year uh, again. So uh, it's far from the only game you can say that you can say that about the Texas game. I mean, you can say you can say, say you can say you would have lost by thirty to Tennessee without Bryce Young. So, oh gosh, you know, uh, man, imagine if Jalen Milrow had started that game against Tennessee last year, it would have been it would have been forty five to ten. The, the biggest issue with me is how much, and we, we, we can speak on this, and this might be a perfect transition here. How much, oh, was Bill O'Brien? I mean, everything you heard about the AM matchup was, oh my gosh, we're, we're going to play Bryce Young. He's going to play. We're game planning with, for Bryce Young. And then you get out to Saturday, and oh, Bryce isn't going to play. So Jalen Milrow gets thrown into the Bryce Young game plan. How much does Tommy Reese tailoring a Jalen Milrow game plan change what he's able to do to defenses? Well, it would certainly help if he knew for sure that Jalen Milrow was going to be the starting quarterback, wouldn't it? And, he, and he, honestly, he very well might. Uh, you know, it, it could be a situation where Nick Saban and Tommy Reese have privately said behind closed doors, all right, you know, it is what it is. Jalen Milrow is our starting quarterback. Let's start game planning around him, which, you know, certainly works to Jalen Milrow's advantage. Uh, it, it, honestly, I would go so far as to say it's probably likely that that is the case. Uh, Nick Saban's not 10 days before the season sitting here still no idea who the start would say, oh, I uh, well, you know, maybe today's the practice where someone separated. It's like that just can't be the. I, I, you'd be foolish to think that's the situation. So, yeah, they probably are game planning more around Milrow or maybe Simpson, who whoever the guy is going to be. I assume Mil, we both assume Milrow at this point. So, yeah, I mean, you would hope that that's going to be an advantage to Jalen Miller. You would hope that you know a full start against the Cupcake team will give him some confidence. We know he struggled with that against Texas A&M, you know, playing with anxiety, whatever the prevailing theme was. That was for the entire team on the road. Uh, you know, they, they struggled with that last season for for whatever reason. You want to get rid of that early as, early as you can. I think it'll work to their benefit, the fact that all of those tough, tough games uh, are at home. Not that they don't have tough games on the road, namely the Iron Bowl, but also at A&M, at, A&M, at Mississippi State. I mean, these are not cupcake games at this point. Uh, especially for a team that doesn't know who's playing quarterback. So uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I would think that tailoring a game plan to answer the original question around Jalen Milrow would help him. Uh, but because it's, I mean, he was thrown into the fire last year against a and And make no mistake, he was bad. He, he, he was bad against Texas A&M. I, he threw three touchdowns. I mean, he threw, he threw terrible picks and, and that game came down to the wire because Jalen Milrow turned the ball over. I mean, we, we can say that. Uh, Turnover crushed you. I mean, we can we can certainly say that. I'm I'm not afraid to bury Jalen Milrow for the AM game. Uh, in the same breath, yes, while in the second half of the Arkansas game, ultimately his legs got it done. Ultimately, Arkansas came back because Bama couldn't throw the ball in the second half of that game. I mean, the the passing game was almost entirely neutralized. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm hoping that he's going to be a little bit better with a well, just in general, he's got to be better, but. Uh, hopefully with an offense built around him, quote-unquote, whatever that exactly means, uh, he'll he'll shine, I guess. All right, let's transition because I just brought up your boy Bill, Bill O'Brien and my man Wendell Hare is hitting on Mac Jones. So yesterday, yesterday on the program, uh, I started off the topic and we're going to – I'm going to kind of close that loop and open up a second topic so you can re- react to it. Yesterday, we opened up uh, talking about Ryan Clark's comments on Tua Tagovailoa. Did you hear him yesterday uh, on uh, NFL Live? I, I did. Okay. It's interesting. Yeah. So, so uh, for those who didn't hear him, I'm going to play him again because today Tua Tungabaloa responded to Ryan Clark. He had a short little response. Yesterday, Ryan Clark basically insinuated that Tua Tungabaloa is fat and didn't work out. Uh, and I went from the Tua Tungabaloa conversation to what's going to happen in the AFC East. Well, Michael Bronner's going to g- uh, give me some corrections on what will happen in the AFC East. But let's close the Tua loop here. Ryan Clark uh, really making kind of a heard of himself uh calling to a chunk of a low effect say five for seven 61 yards and an interception so a rocky start to the game for two right there our team got them tats yeah he did he did full sleeve y'all because i've been hurt i ain't tough i'm gonna tell, tell you i'm gonna tell you what he tats. wasn't doing he wasn't in the gym <laughs> wow. i bet you that come on he, he, he wasn't with me he, he, he might have spent a lot of time in the tattoo <laughs> parlor he was not at the dinner oh. table eating what the nutritionist had advised Oh my. He looks happy. <laughs> okay. He is thick. He's thick. Yeah, thick. he's built like a girl working at Onyx in Atlanta right now on the bottom. <laughs> Come on now. Hey. Uh, get to the show. I'm sorry. Well, I'd love to ask you. 
Yeah, so Ryan Clark taking a pot shot at Tua Tagovailoa for the extra weight that he's put on. And today, Tua says, keep my name out your mouth. I mean, I think we all worked hard throughout the offseason. Um, and I'm not someone to talk about myself the entire time. But, I mean, it takes a lot. You think you think I wanted to to build all this muscle? Like, not nah, to some extent. Like, I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be a little lighter. There's... I know there's a mixture of things that people don't understand, that people don't know about, that are talked about, that go behind the scenes. So, you know, I'd appreciate if you kept my name out your mouth. That's what I'd say. All right, so we'll react to that, and then we'll get into the, whatever I said about the AFC East. Tua saying, keep my name out your mouth. Ryan Clark, uh, I kind of chalked it up yesterday, uh, Michael, to Ryan Clark's trying to take the Kendrick Perkins role of the NFL Live crew, where he's just going to throw stuff on the wall and see what happens, and I don't care what the reaction is. Uh, one, react to Ryan Clark, and two, to a season, to a season going forward. I'm expecting a positive season where we've got the judo down. We're not going to get hurt, I guess. We've added extra weight. What are you, what's your take on the whole situation and to his, uh, to his upcoming year? Yeah, as for Ryan Clark, uh, you know, I can't say I consume a ton of ESPN content these days, uh, you know. He's trying to make. He's trying to make it. I, I didn't even take it that seriously. Like he's. He's. I took it as he's trying to make the guys at the desk laugh. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was like this serious pot shot that like Tua needed to respond to. And then, and I understand Tua got asked about it uh, directly. It's not like he addressed it. You know, I, I want to start off by addressing these Ryan Clark comments. I'm sure a member of the media asked him directly about it, and he answered. But you know, at the same time, Tua could just say like, ah, you know, he's 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 messing around. But. Yeah, to to seem to seem genuinely offended. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I it was unnecessary, I guess, from Clark. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was a huge deal, though. Yeah, but come on, you, Ryan, you played in the league to act like somebody's just not going to take their off season seriously, especially given what Tua's what this season really means for Tua's whole career. Like, come on, that's a that's a that's it a was lame. It was unnecessary. It right, was unnecessary. Right. Fair enough. Well, yesterday I couldn't decide. I couldn't decide what's going to happen in the AFC East because I was trying to, you know, kind of try to transition that into some sort of a prediction. And and I do think that two is going to have a good year. Uh, you know how I feel about Mac Jones, but there's just no help around the, the 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 around the offensive side of the football with with the Patriots. You obviously know what the Jets have done, and the Bills are probably the prohibitive favorite coming off, what, two two division championships in a row? What's the – I said, basically, to put it all out there, that the Patriots will end up last in the in the division. Will I be wrong? Will Mac have a good year? Will he, will, will he silence all the doubters? Is Bill O'Brien going to – you've seen the quote – get Alabama Mac back? Well, it's certainly a common uh, prevailing thought from a lot of people that the Patriots are going to finish last in the division. And, you know, I, I understand why that is. Uh, I certainly have, as you know, I certainly have a, a good good bit of bias when I say they're not. Uh, I don't know. The, the AFC East is hard to figure out. I think it's the best division in football, maybe second best. I think the AFC North is very strong as well. Uh, but I also think it's going to be the slimmest range from top to bottom. You know, I yeah. think the winner is going to be at around 11 wins, and I think the the last place team is going to be around seven wins. So, you know, I, I you can really make a case for all four of these teams winning the division. Uh, you know, I I think Miami, frankly, is a little bit overrated. Uh, they they don't finish seasons well, even with two healthy. I I don't I don't think they're going to contend to win the division. Uh, they might contend for a playoff spot. And I don't necessarily think the two is going to stay healthy all season. And of course I'm not rooting for injury or anything like that. It's just kind of reality. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, you are right that they haven't done a lot to help Mac out. And I know you were talking about Keishon Butte yesterday. I'll tell you what, we got two sixth round receivers that have had really good camps. And I'm not sitting here saying, you know, we should be banking on two sixth round receivers, but Keishon Butte and Demario Douglas, like the bad luck the Patriots have had drafting receivers uh, and, you know, part of that is just because Bill Belichick has been foolish, you know, taking Nikhil Harry over the likes of A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Debo Samuel, and Terry McLaurin, uh, you know, taking Tyquan Thornton over George Pickens last year. Uh, you ever heard of a guy named Chad Jackson? Took him in the second round in 2006. He's actually from Hoover High School. Exactly. You haven't heard of him. Uh, my, it kind of speaks to my point. They haven't drafted receivers well. They deserve a little bit 
of luck from the receiver gods, from the draft gods, you know, these two six-round picks, if one of them can contribute to this team, Demario Douglas, by the way, has played five snaps across two preseason games. He's already locked in to making this roster. He's a uh, he's kind of a slot shifty guy out of Liberty. So, you know, Hugh, Free- Hugh Freeze taught. Apparently Hugh Freeze develops wide receivers better than anyone. We know that. Uh, <laughs> Should I be looking to go get that guy, Demario Douglas, in my fa- late, late round? Gonna hang around, yeah, hang around, get him? I took him in the last round of my draft. So uh, I think he's worth a stash. I think he might catch a bunch of passes this year. We'll see what happens. Again, like they're not putting any film out there on him. So, you know, Demario Douglas is is available. Someone just brought up Zeke in the uh, in the comments there. I don't know. I, I think Zeke doesn't move the needle a whole heck of a lot. I do think, I mean, as much as great as I think Ramondre Stevenson is, and he is great. He's one of the five to 10 best running backs in the league. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. One of the best pure runners in football. Uh, he's his goal line conversion rate. is not very good. Uh, he wasn't, and he was kind of the entire offense last year. He had like 60 catches for a guy who's not a receiving back. Uh, so, you know, I think Zeke helps in third down situations and on the goal line. Another reason I drafted him in fantasy because he'll probably score a lot of touchdowns this season. Other than that, you know, it's kind of, eh, uh, whatever you, you trade out Damian Harris for Zeke. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of a net no gain there. Uh, cause Damian Harris now with the Buffalo bills. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you can make the case for the Patriots to finish last in the AFC East at the same time. They do have one of the best defenses in football that you add Christian Gonzalez to Jack Jones had some legal troubles in the off season, but, uh, they're cleared up now. I think they have one of the best secondaries in football. It's going to depend. I think Bill, I mean, the reports out of camp this year and, you know, cause I'll, I'll read them every day, every, every, you know, cause I'm just that Dang. kind of guy. I'm going to read the training camp report every single day. The reporter I trust, Evan Lazar, have been dramatically more optimistic than last. Last season, it was doom and gloom from day one. This offense is a mess. This is a circus. Matt Patricia has no idea what he's doing. And guess what? That's exactly what it was during the regular season. This year, it's been a lot more organized. Seems People seem to know what they're doing. You know, they're running a lot more motion, a lot more RPOs for Mac. Looked pretty good in the preseason game in the, against the Packers and the three drives he played. You know, they brought in Zappy after the fact. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I am hopeful for the Bill O'Brien offense. Obviously, Alabama fans, and myself included, had our gripes with Bill O'Brien. But, you know, it's Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien. I'm going to take it for the Patriots any day of the week. And I do think Bill O'Brien is more suited for the NFL than, than college, 100%. We'll have to see. I've got a maybe it's just my Aaron Rodgers bias. I've got a I've got a, I've got a sneaky feeling the Jets are not going to be as good as people say. Please, I need I need the Jets to flop this year. Like I need air to breathe. Uh, the, the bad offensive line and and you know oh. this nice guy Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, oh. it's going to like week three. Uh, I don't know how wide my camera is going to be, but week three you you're still going to go back and see that the. the let me ask you that. Have you been watching Hard Knocks? Because I no. watched an episode and no. I, I can't watch anymore. I, I don't I, care one bit yeah. about watching a 60-minute Aaron Rodgers. Um, how's the nicest way to say we it? Get, we get the term. <laughs> yeah, the, an Aaron Rodgers propaganda machine. That's yeah. probably the nicest way to say it. But basically, they're trying to rehab his image oh. over four or five weeks, 60 minutes. Aaron Rodgers, such a good teammate, such a good guy. You know, I say this with the fact that the Jets are my least favorite team in the NFL. So take what I say about the Jets with with a little bit of a grain of salt. Like to be fair, I have a I have a bias against the Jets. I will admit that. But that being said, it's like the bad offensive line. And I honestly, and I know you're a Bears fan, so you've hated Aaron Rodgers for years. I don't hate Aaron Rodgers. At least I haven't hated Aaron Rodgers. I I, I think I kind of have liked Aaron Rodgers. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And granted he was I won't say terrible last year, but certainly a shell of what he once was. Uh, I think he certainly takes a step back this year. I don't think he's going to be that MVP guy anymore. But, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers has gone from a likable guy to me to, you know, my now public enemy number one. And, uh, yeah, I I, just, I can't watch the Hard Knocks thing, man. I did it for one episode because Corey and I were going to talk about it on the show the next day. So it was my homework for the night. But since then, it's like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm not watching it. I don't like Robert Sala either. God, that team is just insufferable. Uh, 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 Jet, the Jets fans, it's like, and again, you know, I'm from New Jersey. So it's like, it's like a sleep. It's kind of like Vols fans. It's like oh. a giant of like, we, uh, the NFL can't handle the Jets being good. Uh, the menace, the menace that will come out if the Jets fans are good. Like it, it, it's All you not- gotta do is turn on Get Up, and you can see it. You oh, can, like, oh, the dream is insufferable. Oh, 
Yeah, it's, my, it's and, and ready for. Mike Greenberg, one of the most professional broadcasters, he's insufferable right now. And, like, I cannot watch Get Up. I know you hit on ESPN earlier, but, like, I cannot watch Get Up. And the whole uh, recent recent, recent quotes from Randall Cobb to the receivers, hey, guys, I know Aaron's being nice right now, but we got to get this right or he's going to lose his bleep on us. And Aaron Rodgers coming out, I don't think I'm the snapping type anymore. Dude, you are full of you're full of it. You oh, are full. He gained some clarity in his darkness retreat this offseason. Man, it's like uh, if you check, you know, Jets, Patriots, Twitter, you know, we're all on Twitter too much, or, you know, turn on the TV, you would think the Jets are already in the Super Bowl. You know, keep in mind, the Patriots have beaten the Jets 14 times in a row. We've not lost to this team in seven years. You would think we've already been swept by this team. You know, we would you would think the Jets have beaten by th- – because we play week three. Uh, you would think – or maybe it's week four. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, you would think that the Jets already, you know, have already taken over the AFC East. It, it really is just insufferable stuff. I, I, I am excited for the season, but nervous that if the Jets are, in fact, good, uh, it's going to be a long year. But I'm still hopeful – that you know we can we can hold on to this and, and and keep them in their place. What quarterback? Last thing on the on on this. What quarterback says? Well, I talked to Robert. Uh, I talked to Robert, and I think he was nervous about asking me to play this weekend. But I was kind of wanting to play this weekend, so it worked. The conversation worked out. What it's, the heck? Like, like Russell, who, whose team is it? It's like Russell Wilson, but like a better quarterback. So, you know, you kind of excuse it. And with MVPs pretty much. Oh, he drives me absolutely up the wall. All right. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let me transition back to Alabama real quick. Uh, We've got, we're going to respond real quick to my man, CJ Watson's comment, CJ on the earlier conversation, Jalen Milrow was pretty bad in that A&M game. However, it wasn't close to a well-called game. Bill O'Brien. The Arkansas game when Milrow came in was called to his skill sets. He looked good. The A&M game was called to Bryce's strength because they practiced with Bryce all week. Milrow wasn't set up for success in that game. He played poorly, though. I won't argue that. I don't even know uh, that the Arkansas game was called to Jalen Milrow's skill set. We, we we had a what fourteen to nothing lead at that point, and obviously Alabama was able to extend that, and he kind of had that tight moment where Arkansas came back and then Jalen Miro breaks the 70-yard scramble. Uh, and, and really, that's what you can't prepare for. The defensive coordinators, that's what you can't prepare. You, you want to go man You want to go man coverage against this defense and let and let us send everybody deep and turn your back on Jalen Milrow? I like Jalen Milrow's uh, skill sets against basically any spy in this league except for Harold Perkins, probably. Harold Perkins, the, the, LSU, the LSU linebacker. But the issue is, you remember that 70-yard run at Arkansas. What did Bill O'Brien do? The next play. The very next play, first and goal from the two-yard line. Throwing the deck gun ball into the – and it almost ended up in a Milro interception. And, like, I love you, Jalen. Thanks for your skill sets, and I want the best for you. But, dang, that was so bad and so ugly. Like, you're going to have to hammer the dead gun ball. You just put, you just ran the defense 70 yards down the field. They're exhausted. Let's just get the, the heavy package. One thing we, I missed over the last year – was black personnel. For those who don't understand, that's the, uh, the the what the three tight ends bringing in the defensive linemen and play and under center, just hammer it in. Black personnel. Oh, I hope that I hope that's the biggest difference. Is Tommy Reese kind of has a better feel for ooh, when to just just hammer that the daggum ball. I think that Arkansas game, because of the fact that Milrow not necessarily iced it, but close to iced it with that 70-yard run. I think his performance gets misremembered a little bit in that game, frankly. Like, he wasn't very good. Uh, they did – I mean, so they were up 14 when Bryce got hurt, and they did stretch it, I believe, to 28 nothing, if I'm remembering correctly. And then what happened? Arkansas scored 23 straight points mm-hmm. in large part due to the fact because Alabama could not throw the ball. They could not move the ball. And, again, Bill O'Brien, like the 70-yard run – that's not Bill O'Brien. That's just letting Jalen Milrow do what Jalen Milrow, you know, is able to do. And, you know, it works out. And then Jameer Gibbs rips a long touchdown late as well and is able to ice the game. And, you know, we remember the Arkansas game as a Jalen Milrow great performance because, well, a signature play in the game was Jalen Milrow breaking free and showing what he does best and, you know, being able to put the game away with that. But Jalen Milrow did not throw the ball well in that Arkansas game, pretty dreadfully, in fact. I mean, and that's a large part of the reason why that game – was even remotely close. Oh, that was up 28 nothing in that game. That should, game should have never been remotely close. Uh, and it was because Jalen Miller was ineffective. Throw- and again, I'm not going to blame him. 
I mean, he got thrown into the game in the middle of the game, and I frankly don't think he's very good as a passer to begin with. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cast stones on him for it. But that being said, I, I do think it gets misremembered. Oh, he was good against Arkansas and not good against Texas A&M. I don't think he was really good in either. At least as a passer, I don't think he was good in either game. I don't think he's really shown much of anything as a passer. That's why I'm so worried here. Oh boy, Jalen Milro is the starting quarterback from the for this team. What has Ty Simpson not shown this offseason? He's turned the ball over. He's yeah. turned, that's the main thing. Jalen has not turned the ball over. Where where Milro's turned or where, where where Simpson's turned the ball over in practice, and that's the one thing that wants like makes Nick Saban. Uh, contemplate suicide. It's like Jalen's throwing some atrocious picks. And it, remember that you see the tweet that uh, it was Austin Hanna actually, Bama Central. He posted a little compilation clip uh, like two, like a week or two ago uh, of some like you know, th- like this is why the quarterback competition is still a competition because throws like this from Jalen Milrow. He's thrown some atrocious short arm picks. The A and M game, the Utah State game when he came in as well, threw a terrible one in that one. I mean, it's concerning. And he it's not like he doesn't have an arm. He certainly does, but uh, I, I don't know. All right, let's transition. One more topic for the day. We're talking to Michael Bronner of WNSP. You can hear him in the mornings on 105.5 down there in Mobile. You can read him at WNSP.com. Uh, download, what is it, the Sound of Mobile app to listen to all their great programming. My man, Austin Hannon, speaking of the devil, he wrote a recent piece uh, and Alabama football put out a recent video package highlighting the relationship and highlighting the grind, kind of the story of Jason McClellan and Roy Dell Williams. Really, all this talk about the quarterback is relevant, absolutely relevant, but I'm kind of of the, of the opinion that Tommy Reese changes everything. Tommy Reese changes the entire formula where, okay, we're going to lean on Roy Dell Williams. We're going to lean on Jace McClellan. We're going to give Justice Haynes the football and I guess a little bit of Jam Miller as well. You're going to get into a physical, a, a, a more physical football team. What's your confidence level in these in these running backs? You look at the all the, the all SEC team that got put out yesterday by the coaches, and Jace McClellan ends up being what second team running back or so? Yes, yeah, second team running back, but really he's the only running back listed. You got Quinchon Judkins and Raheem Raheem Sanders from Arkansas. You got a uh, Kendall Milton from Georgia on that list, and then Tre- uh, Trevor Etienne and Jarquez Hunter from from Auburn, kind of all in the first, second, and third teams. Where is Alabama going to stack up with the running back room? And, and can we really get back to, I've been saying the Alabama Anaconda will return, whereas the slow choking out of the other team, okay, maybe the first quarter is 10-0, to 7-0. Maybe the second quarter at the end of halftime, it's 17-10, it's 17-7. But by the time you look up in the fourth quarter, it's 38-17, it's, it's 42-24. It's, and, and the Anaconda, the defense and the running game, has choked out every little bit of, of hope from the other side. So to do that, we need a good defense, and I think the defense will be improved. But specifically, you need to be able to run the football, something that Alabama, unfortunately, under Bill O'Brien, really, since Mac Jones in 2020, what has not been able to say, hey, I'm going to hand off to a running back, and I'm getting four yards. Get out of the bleeping way. I'm getting four yards, period. And maybe if I if I break a tackle, I'm getting 40 yards. Where's your confidence level in the Alabama running game? See, and here I was thinking the final transition was going to be to uh, Alabama hoops or something like that. We didn't get to mix in any hoops today. We, we can if you want. I just don't have anything relevant here. You got- <laughs> I thought we were going to make fun of Auburn for losing out on Flory Badinga after uh, after they were taken. Well, no, we're going to wait until LeBaron Phylon commits to Alabama, and then that, I'm going that'll, to that'll be, We'll take our own victory lap. Oh, oh, I'm gonna, no. that, that, that is, that is going to happen, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all that all – that that being said, to answer your question, yeah, my running, my confidence in the running back room is very high. I, I don't think there's a Jameer Gibbs. I don't think there's no. Eric Henry. I don't think there's a Mark Ingram. But I think there's five really good running backs in this room. I think Jason McClellan, I, I don't think he's gotten the kind of shine that he's necessarily deserved. Look at the Ole Miss game last year when Jameer Gibbs goes down with an ankle injury in the second half, which we weren't even sure if he was hurt or if he was benched. As it turned out, it was an ankle injury. But – Alabama rode Jason McClellan in that second half, tough running through the tackles. And they, you know, it was a large part in reason due to why they won that game. And McClellan will be the lead back for this team. But, you know, you got a lot of different types of guys. I'm, 
I mean, as much as I like Roydell Williams and was hopeful, I, I don't think I think he's far from the most talented guy in this room. I think he's, you know, he's solid and dependable. And, you know, he, he plays a little bit of special teams as well. But I do like Jam Miller a lot. Uh, obviously, Justice Haynes is really good as well. You know, and you can mix in, you know, maybe Richard Young mixes in on the field as well. Who knows? But, yeah, I think there's five guys that you feel good about, good giving the ball to. Uh, I think there's never a reason to have a tired guy on the field. You're always going to have fresh legs. For a team that's hoping to run the ball a lot this season, which it seems like Alabama is, seems like Alabama's going to have to based on what, based on the entire quarterback discussion that we've had. And by the way, if Jalen Milrow is ultimately the quarterback, which it seems like he will be, you know that that threat of Milrow running should, in theory, open up some things for these running backs as well. So yeah, I do feel really good about the running back room. Uh, I think you know it's going to be a steady rotation. I don't think necessarily there's going to be a thousand yard guy, barring McClellan, kind of being that bell cow, which, you know, I think he's talented enough, but I also think there's four other guys who are really talented. Like, I like Jam Miller is too good to keep off the field. Justice Haynes is too good to keep off the field. So as good as I think Jason McClellan is, and as much as I love Jason McClellan, you know, if Jason McClellan has 1,200 yards this year, it makes me wonder, oh, what's what went on with the rest of the room? Why couldn't the rest of these guys get on the field? So I do feel very good about it. I think they're going to run the ball. Heck, maybe they have 2,000-yard rushers. Maybe one of them is Jalen Milrow. Uh, who, who knows? You know, that that's another thing that's like, you know, if Milrow is the guy, you would think that he's also a large part of the rush, running game as well. So maybe, yeah. you know, it's you can't keep them all on the field. There's only one ball. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see who ultimately separates themselves as the guy. I think McClellan starts the season as the guy. We'll see what Jan Miller does when he gets on the field. We'll see what Justice Haynes does when he gets on the field. Obviously, there's a lot to be excited about there. Yeah, so with all this being said, and we're right here at 45 minutes, I appreciate everybody who's been watching us on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitter. Thank you to Michael Bronner joining us. Because of you, Michael, our view counts have been going uh, as, high or, as high as they've ever been. I appreciate you very much for joining us. And, and chiming in on the Facebook machine, Wendell Hare, CJ Watson, and others, we appreciate everybody joining us. You can find us at Joe Gaither 6 on all the social media machines. We kind of texted back and forth about doing win totals, and we didn't really do that, but I will hit the Alabama win total. You've got BetMGM and FanDuel and DraftKings all at uh, 10.5 wins for Alabama, and you've talked. Uh, we've kind of talked around the the, the, the Texas game. Uh, we've talked about going out to A&M. You're, coming, you're, you're going over to Auburn. I'm sure that Hugh Freeze is going to probably throw everything at his mother at Nick Saban uh, down, there, down there on the Plains. Do you think Alabama's going to get back to the playoff? Because that's really what it's all about. I mean, who, who cares about the win total over and under 10 and a half? I mean, you can answer that if you want to. But the bottom line is, does Alabama get back to the Bama standard, get to the playoff? I don't know about winning it all, and that's fine if they don't. But I think it's absolutely important to win the West win the West, go play Georgia, go play Georgia in the SEC championship, play them well, play them, not get blown out, play them well, and find a way to get into the college football playoff. Maybe you beat Georgia, uh, you see Georgia dealing with an, uh, a, excuse me, dealing with a running back injury today. Uh, they, they, they lost a player for the season. What's his name? Uh, da, 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 just saw it. Uh, Robinson, the, the seat. Georgia's Branson Robinson, uh, former number one running back in the 2022 class, sophomore running back, will miss the entire season with a ruptured patellar injury, but they'll just roll out more and more talent, Georgia. What's the bottom line for Alabama? Are we making the playoffs? Are we getting back to the Bama standard? Yeah, I'm going to go to that Iron Bowl this year, by the way. It's going to be the first one in Jordan-Hare. Haven't bought, haven't bought tickets yet, but uh, maybe, maybe I should, if, just in case Auburn's good. Uh, and that t- that ticket becomes a five hundred dollar ticket, but ten and a half wins. I, well, one I will say, I I do think they can lose two games and still get to the playoff. There is a path there because you can lose to Texas, still beat LSU, maybe lose to I don't know Tennessee, uh, and then win the SEC championship and be the first two lost team to make a college football playoff. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I'm never going to predict that they're not going to make the playoff, uh, you know. But I am trying to look at it objectively. The, the pieces are there. Uh, yes, you lose Bryce Young. Yes, you lose Will Anderson. That being said, I really do think there's a case to be made that every position group on this team is better than last year's team. Obviously, not at quarterback, but you know, besides the quarterback position, uh, and you know, it wasn't Bryce Young that was the problem last year. It was ultimately the pieces around him that were the problem last year. The offensive line Make play was a problem. The receiver play was a problem. I do think 
I am hopeful that this receiver group is going to be better this season. I think Malik Benson is going to be huge. Uh, you know, and I think that the guys that are already there are going to improve. So, yeah, I mean, I do think Alabama can make the playoff. I, I, I'm certainly not casting doom and gloom. I certainly think it's far from a sure thing. I think you got to beat LSU. Ultimately, I think LSU is the team. I wouldn't say they're the, necessarily the team to beat. It's funny. We talked all week at Nashville at SEC Media Days, like, is LSU the new favorite in the West? And ultimately, it was still Alabama predicted to win the SEC West narrowly, narrower than it's been in a long time. But yeah, I mean, I'm still going to predict Alabama. Uh, you got these h- tough games at home, so I think that's a that's a big feather in the cap. And I do think Tommy Reese and Kevin Steele are gonna are gonna help. And I think ultimately it's going to come down to really the offensive line. The offensive line can take a big step from last year, and you're able to run the ball and suffocate teams in the running game and at least decent defense. The defense doesn't fold and give. I mean, if if you give up one less touchdown to Jalen Hyatt last season. You're in the SEC championship last – well, but depending on what happened, you know, there's there's a lot of ifs there with LSU. But you're probably in the SEC championship last season. You can make one stop in the fourth quarter against LSU last season. You're in the SEC championship last season and probably the college football playoff. Now, there's a lot of ifs on the games they want, of course. Like, you can play the if and what game all day. Uh, you know, I've, I've played it a lot. But that being, that being said – with the Patriots, too. Uh, that being said – yeah, I, I I do. If you're if you're saying gun to my head, make a prediction. Sure, let's say this team is going to make the college football playoff. At least win the SEC West. Because if they go in, I I think there's a chance they go into the SEC championship with a loss. Uh, and ultimately, maybe Georgia's too much at that point. But keep in mind also, if they do end up facing Georgia in the SEC championship, it's going to be the first good team Georgia's faced all year. Which you know I like Bama's chances in that in that uh, in that scenario. My man Wendell Hare agreeing with you. We will see our first two-loss team make the playoff. My biggest concerns, my biggest pitfalls are Texas coming in week number two and going out to AM. I think you you take a, an inexperienced quarterback out to AM, you get 110,000 people in the stadium swaying. It's going to be at night. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even Bryce Young couldn't overcome my, out there at AM. My hatred for AM has has like really been on a steady uptick the last well, couple. I don't years. hate him. I, I just think I, mm, what I do you hate about him? That midnight yell. And, God, they are they are. I hate. I cannot stand Jimbo Fisher. Like A and M, you know, obviously, you know, put Auburn at the top if we're ranking hatred. Georgia, Georgia, kind of is closing in on second place. Uh, you know, and you know, Tennessee throw Tennessee and LSU in whatever order you want, but A and M is is kind of right there. Behind, I mean, they are there, and if they are, are ever good and figure it out against Jimbo, you know, they they just might they just might pass LSU. I don't have the the same disdain for LSU that a lot of people. Not that I like them, uh, but Brian Kelly, you know, he's a hell of a football coach, and you know, they certainly deserved everything they had last year. We'll see if they can take the next step this year. Michael, it's been a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you hanging out with me today, and I hope that uh, everybody enjoyed listening to Michael Bronner at, from WNSP 105.5 down there in Mobile. You can hear him in the mornings and read him at WNSP.com. Tell everybody where they can find you or follow you on social media and any any other projects you want to uh, chat about real quick before we get you out of here. Or if you want to just give a Patriots, whatever you want to do. Yeah, give me a follow on Twitter at WNSP. Uh Something really exciting, you know, if – Heck, if you want to hear uh, Ryan Williams on Friday night, they're taking on they're taking on Lipscomb Academy. I'm actually going to be doing play by play for WNSP, making my debut tomorrow night with uh, Spanish Ford against Fairhope. So that's you know it's going to be interesting. I've never done play by play before, so it might be a little bit rough at first. But we got Sarah Land Lipscomb on Friday night. So if you're in Tuscaloosa and want to hear how Ryan Williams is doing, download the Sound of Mobile app. Uh, we'll be calling play by play. I think Sarah. Hey, Lipscomb is a is a hell of a program, a hell of a team. They got two. They got two of the best players in the state of Tennessee that are both committed to play at Tennessee. Uh, but you know, Sarah, we we know about Sarah Land. You know I, that that their their fame kind of goes beyond the Mobile area right now. So if you want to hear how KJ Lacey and Ryan Williams are doing on Friday night in that huge game on ESPN as well, you know I'm competing with an ESPN broadcast. Hey, we love it debut so uh you know but if you want to hear how ryan williams is doing check out the sound of mobile app we'll be calling it on friday night okay and the details on the spanish ford because you got sterling dixon the other yeah. alabama commit what, what, what the details on spanish ford again one more time yes that is so they uh kick off their season tomorrow night they host fair hope at home uh so yeah sterling dixon's debut for spanish fort he just transferred there as well you can also check that out sound mobile app we'll be broadcasting that 
that's my actual play-by-play debut. So again, you know, it's different. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm practicing. It's, uh, you know, it might be rough for a couple of weeks, but you know, someone had to step up and do play-by-play this year. So I guess. Are you doing play-by-play or color or handling both ends? I'm doing play-by-play and I'll have uh, Brian Gennard on color with me. There you go. That'll be a lot of fun, man. We will definitely download the Sound of Mobile app to listen to Spanish Fort and to, of course, listen to Sarah Land. You got a bunch of Alabama commits in those mixtures. Hey, if you see Ryan Williams, tell him I've been trying to talk to him. I got Sterling Dixon on. Uh, you know, I know Ryan's a Ryan Hollywood Williams. For I'll, a reason. With Hollywood. I'll see what I can. I'll see what I can do. Is he reclassifying to 2024? That's been the latest rumor. I'll sell. I've- we should hope so uh, from an Alabama perspective. I, we could use him right now. Uh, I mean, he, he really is that. I mean, you know, and I know you got to wrap up, but he really oh, is. Good. He really is uh, relative to competition. Like he's the best athlete I've ever seen in person. It, it, it truly is remarkable watching him play football. Uh, truly, it truly is a gift to be able to call, you know, seven Sarah Land games or whatever the number is that we're doing this year. I'm so excited about it. Uh you know, I don't have any inside knowledge as to whether he actually is going to reclassify. But, I, I mean, from watching him play, I can tell you he certainly is good. He could reclassify two years and play for Alabama this year. I, I, I can tell you that first. He's a talented kid, and you can listen to Michael Bronner call those games on the Sound of Mobile app. Thanks so much for your time, Michael. It was an absolute pleasure. You helped me out immensely today. Thank you for having me, Joe. I always enjoy it. Absolutely. That's Michael Bronner, everybody. And we appreciate him. Make sure you go follow him at mbronner, WNSP. Download the Sound of Mobile app. You can keep up with those Alabama recruits down there in Mobile. He's going to be giving you all kinds of play-by-play action. Uh, We appreciate his time. We'll catch up. This was a second appearance from Michael on the new program. We'll try to get a third or fourth appearance before the football season ends. It's been a great uh, great Wednesday for me. I hope you guys enjoyed the program. C.J. Watson and Wendell Hare, I really appreciate you guys hanging out and joining us all on the Facebook comment side of things. C.J., I'm with you. Tennessee uh, Tennessee loss is not happening. It's not happening. No, 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 no. And that, that is our number one. That's my number one. I mean, I know everybody hates Auburn, but Tennessee just puts me into a different mental state, uh, and that week is going to be a huge week here in Tuscaloosa. So I appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the comments side. You can follow us on all YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, anywhere and everywhere at Joe Gaither 6 I appreciate any comments, questions, queries, complaints. You want to disagree? That is A-OK. Please disagree with me anytime you want to. No big deal at all. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon as well. Subscribe, rate, review the program, all that good stuff. Tell a friend about the show. We've been having a little bit of growth. I appreciate everybody. I love it so, so much. I do this for you guys as best I can. Uh, Little updates. Still trying to work with Jay McPhillips to get uh, on the to get a little yay Alabama perspective. Uh, I, I know last Friday I talked about yay Alabama and maybe said some uh, in, some some things that weren't always true. Uh, so we're going to get Jay McPhillips on very, very soon to talk about yay Alabama. I've had some communication with Carrollton. We're going to get uh, some contact with Caleb Odom here pretty soon next Monday. Next Monday, we're going to be joined by Eric Anders, Mr. Alabama outside linebacker. You know and remember him, the, the sack fumble on what Garrett Gilbert against Texas in 2009 to to seal the deal against uh, Texas in the Rose Bowl. We'll have Eric Anders on on Monday to, one, to talk MMA with him, to talk about his career. But Eric Anders is going to be one of the two honorary captains for the MTSU matchup. Uh, And then subsequently, we're going to be having an MTSU staff writer join us on Tuesday to talk about the Blue Raiders. So it's going to be a good couple of days coming up here on the Joe Gaither Show. Stick with us and download or stick with us and make sure you subscribe to BamaCentral.com. At 6 o'clock, we will be all over Nick Saban's press conference. Nick Saban talking at the Naylor Stone media room 6 p.m tonight katie windham and austin hannon will be there and i'll be in support of them as well so follow us at bamacentral.com you've got our other bama central broadcasting network podcasts all things bama and blue collar unplugged i am the joe gaither show on bama central i appreciate you the listener the viewer the most and for another edition we'll be back on thursday with another edition of the joe gaither show right here on bama central and bamacentral.com